It is my privilege to speak from God's Word to you again. Um, it's always nice to be invited back because when you're not, you know, that says something too. So, it, Memorial Day weekend. It's, it's a day to help us maintain a right perspective on those who've gone before us. The older, the older I get, the more that perspective means. Um, my dad served in World War II. So for me, the Memorial Day is not just about our country. It's about my dad. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, years ago on Memorial Day, if I talked about my dad or something, I wouldn't get teary. But I feel that. And Memorial Day is for our nation. It's a time of perspective. Don't forget those who've gone before you. Don't forget those who paid the price. The scripture that was read this morning from Genesis chapter 50 is a passage on perspective. The first part that was read, when it talks about you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, Joseph is about 56 years old. Okay, it's been 40 years since his brother, you know, his brothers did, you know, what to him. Okay, so it's been a while, and they're still carrying that. But it's about perspective. And, and today, as I, I walk through the story, the story is very familiar to you, but as I walk through the principles that I see, um, I just want you to know that it applies to you. It applies to me. It's incredible the way the Word of God is like that. So Joseph, we, we know that the Scripture speaks many times, Old Testament and New Testament, about uh, when Jesus, Jesus talks about, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Do you ever wonder why Scripture doesn't go, and the God of Joseph? I mean, come on, he was the best one of the whole bunch. You know, you look at his family, Abraham had trouble telling the truth, and Isaac and his wife are playing favorites, and they're trying to manipulate God, and, and Jacob, is a, he's a crook, he's a deceiver, and you look at his family, I mean, you can read the Bible for yourself. I'm not going to tell you all of it, but there's, there's rape and incest and there's, uh, there's looting and, and there's mass murder. And it's like, God, please pick another family. And at least say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of Joseph. Because Joseph is this man of integrity that is phenomenal. And maybe, maybe the scripture just stops with Jacob just to remind you and me. That if God chooses the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he hangs in there with them, he's going to hang in there with you and I. We just sang, he will hold me fast. Don't forget that. Don't forget that as you go through life. I, I don't want to forget that as well. So we get to Genesis chapter 37, and again, it's Genesis 37 through 50, and your task this week is to read it for yourself. I'm going to share the story. And when you read it this next week, you're going to go, hey, Roger forgot to say that. Okay, give me some, give me some grace there. I'm going to forget some of it. But it, it, so Genesis 37 through 50. Don't read 38 because that's not about Joseph. But 37 to 50, it's great. And you find out that, that Joseph is son number 11 out of 12 brothers and what, one sister. And some of you ladies are thinking, 13 kids. Well, he had four wives, so, you know, that makes it a lot easier when it comes to that giving birth thing. And so um, Joseph grows up in this family that has this manipulation going on. You got the, 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 the moms doing this, the brothers. and It is just like this mess. And, and, and Jacob is, he's the firstborn son of Jacob's favorite wife. Because if you have four wives, one of them is going to be your favorite. So it's his favorite wife. And so he, he loves Joseph so much, he, he, he buys him a coat of many colors, an ornate robe. Everybody else is wearing the, you know, the goat skin or the, the sheep skin, whatever they're wearing. But Joseph, he stands out. 
He's sent out by Jacob to go check on his brothers who are taking care of the sheep and the goats. And it's not like a, a farm here in Wisconsin where you go to the pastor and you look at them. No, over there in the Mideast, you, you're, you're taking them around. You're finding pastors. So you could be gone weeks at a time. So he sends Joseph out as a, as a teenager to check on his brothers. Here's a good question. Why wasn't Joseph out there with him? You know, he's, he's favorite. He could, stay, he could sleep in his own bed. And so he goes to check on him. He comes back and he says, Dad, they're not doing it right. They're not doing the job. And so his brothers really liked that, that he would come and kind of rat on them a little bit. And, but he told the truth. He's loyal to his dad. He gets that coat, and they don't like seeing the coat. You read in Genesis chapter 37, it says, they despised him. They couldn't say a kind word about him. I have three brothers. I can say kind words about him. I might not always like him, but I could say kind words. They couldn't say a kind word about Joseph. Didn't like him at all. And so then one day Jacob says, hey, Joseph, go check on the brothers again. So he goes out to check on the brothers, and he has to ask directions to find where they are. And, and they see him coming from a long way off. He's got that robe on. They can recognize him. And they start talking. They start talking, and, and, and they talk about, here comes that dreamer. Because he had dreams. His two dreams... You can read about him yourself. His dreams were that his brothers one day were all going to bow down to him. Imagine you're 17 years old. I'll imagine I'm 17 years old. I've been a senior in high school, and I talk to my three brothers, and I'd say to them, you know, guys, one day you're going to bow down to me. And they wouldn't have waited a while to beat the pulp out of me. That would have, that, they would have taken care of that right away. And so here, here he's coming, and they want they to kill him. I mean, that's how bad it was. They want to kill their brother. They rip off that robe because they despise that robe he had. They throw him in a pit. They throw him in a well that doesn't have any water in it. And it says in the scripture that they sat down to eat. Joseph's crying out from the well, Hey, guys, please don't do this to me. Let me out. Don't, don't do this. And they're just eating. They're trying to figure out how's the best way to kill him. It's the, the, these are the guys in the lines of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's almost a sorry lot. And so anyway, they decide they won't kill him. They'll, they'll sell him. And so they, they traffic him. They sell him to the Ishmaelites who are going through, and they're going to Egypt. And they take Joseph to Egypt, and they sell him as a servant. They take the robe back to dad. They tear it up, and they kill a lamb, and, you know, they put the blood on it. So it looks like, and jo they don't tell Joseph, uh, uh, Jacob, that they, they wanted to kill Joseph, or they sold him. They let Jacob make up his own mind what happened, and Jacob says, a beast must have killed him. And the brothers are kind of like, yeah, that's right. So he goes to Egypt, and the problem is solved. Well, not really. Joseph is there, 17. Anybody here 17 today? 17, okay. Whew. Anybody who used to be 17? You think back that far. And so, so Joseph, he, he's in the, he's in, he, he gets a, a job as a slave in Potiphar's household. Potiphar is the captain of the guard. He's, he's a, a guy high up in, in Egypt. And so he, he's there, and, and it says, God is with Joseph. And I'm thinking, if God is with Joseph, he would not have let this, his brother sell him. Right? Doesn't that sound fair to you? Doesn't that sound right to, to you? But that's not, it says that he's sold into slavery and God is with him. And Potiphar recognizes that God blesses through Joseph. So he turns over everything to Joseph. Oh, Joseph is in charge of everything. Well, he's got a wife that thinks Joseph is hot. And so she's always hitting on him, always hitting on him. And Joseph says, no, no, no. Finally, one day she sets him up. The house is empty. Joseph comes to work and only she is there. And she hits on him again. And he says, no. And he takes off running. She grabs onto his 
robe. Here's another robe. She has the robe. He runs. She screams and says that Joseph is trying to rape her. Potiphar is angry. Who's Potiphar angry at? Well, we'd want to say Potiphar's angry at Joseph. Well, if he's angry at Joseph for trying to do that, he would have, he would have put Joseph to death. Instead, he puts Joseph in jail. See, Potiphar's really mad at his wife. He, he knows what's going on. and Instead, he puts Joseph in jail. The jail is on the estate of Potiphar. Because Potiphar knows that God's with Joseph, and God blesses through Joseph. Interesting. You look at that, and that's, that's my perspective. You, you can, you can uh, take that if you want. If you don't want, that's fine. Anyway, so then he's, he's in jail, and the jailer recognizes that God's with Joseph, it says in the scripture, God is with Joseph. I think it's chapter 39. It says that God's blessing through Joseph. But he's in, he's in I mean, so, so you're with me. Where's God in all this? If, you're, if, if I'm Joseph, where are you at? I've been betrayed by my brothers. They've been sold into slavery. I've been falsely accused and thrown into prison. And the scripture says God is with Joseph. It doesn't feel like it. Two guys come to prison, butler and the baker, Right? Not a candlestick maker, but the butler and the baker. And they come, and they have dreams. And Joseph says to them, well, what are you troubled about? And they said, well, we had dreams. Or what are your dreams about? They tell him the dreams. And Joseph says, here's the interpretation of your dream. He says to the butler, in three days, you're going to get your job back, and everything's going to be good. He says to the baker, in three days, off with your head, you're going to be dead. He's gonna, the, the Pharaoh's going to execute you. Three days later, that's exactly what happens. And then at the end of chapter 39, it says, and the butler, or Joseph had said to the, the, the butler, the, the cupbearer guy, he said, please talk to Pharaoh about me. Let him know I'm here. I'm not supposed to be here. This is not fair. It's unjust. When the butler goes back to his, get his job back, it says that he did not remember Joseph. And then it has this horrible line. It says, he forgot him. Forgot Joseph. Two more years. I, I wonder how often did Joseph think, where is God in all this? Where is he? All these things, that, where is he? Two years. Two years is a long time. The older you get, the shorter it is, but when you're younger, that is a long time. And so it's two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams. He has a dream about fat cows and skinny cows. He has a dream about fat corn and skinny corn. And he calls in his magicians, he calls in his advisors, and he says, what do these dreams mean? Because they terrified him. What do these dreams mean? We don't know, we don't know. And the butler finally says, I confess my fault. I forgot about this young man in prison. When you were mad with me and the baker years ago, two years ago, and you threw us into jail, and, and we had dreams, and, and we told him to Joseph, and he interpreted them. He can, he can interpret your dream. So he says, well, get him and bring him here. And, and he comes and he stands before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, I heard you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, no, I can't. If I was Joseph, I might have said, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I did it before. I can do it again. Just get me out of here. He didn't say that. He goes, I can interpret dreams, but God can. Tell me your dreams. He tells him the dreams. And he says, your dreams are one and the same. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of the most bountiful crops you've ever seen along the Nile River. It's going to be fantastic, but it's going to be followed by the seven years of the worst famine and drought you've ever experienced. 
So you need to find somebody who can be in charge and he can, he can make sure you store up enough grain in those seven years so when the seven years of drought come, there'll be enough and you can save the people and you can save the, the nations around you. They'll bring their wealth to you so they can buy the food and the grain that you have. And Pharaoh says, great idea, good idea. You'll be in charge. You're second in command. And he gave him a, another robe. He's early into robes. Gave him another robe and a signet ring. And it's almost like nobody can take a breath in the land of Egypt without Joseph's permission. So now he's got power and he's got authority. Imagine that today. A Jewish man, 30 years old, being second in command in the land of Egypt. Whoa, would that make the news? That would be, that would be something. But it's been, it's been 13 years since his brother sold him. In those few chapters, 13 years. Your later teens and all of your 20s were gone. Where's God in all that? I know the scripture says, well, God is with him, but there had to be those times where Joseph went, he, he wondered, where's God in all this? Where, where is he? Well, the seven years go great. They take 20% of all the grain, all the crops, everything that is, that is uh, raised during those, those seven years. They, they build barns, they build silos, bigger and bigger, and finally they just stop building. They stop counting, and it's, they just got so much. And then the years of famine come. People start coming from Egypt. They're buying grain. And, and, and there's, there's other messages here. And I know I'm doing this big flyby of 13, 14 chapters. And you, again, you can read this story on your own. And, and so people start coming and buying grain. And, and, you know, Egypt is pretty close to where Israel is. And the people of Israel, it wasn't called Israel. It's Canaan, but it's the family of Jacob, which is the family of Israel. They need food too. And so Jacob says to his sons, go down to Egypt and buy grain. I hear they have grain there. They go down to Egypt. You can read the story yourself. Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him. Well, if you recognize your brothers after, this will be 13 plus 7. That's 20 and two more years. That's 22 years he recognizes his brothers. Those rats. Those guys who, hey, they, they weren't like teenagers too. They were like years of 18 to 50. His brothers were older than him. I wonder what crossed Joseph's mind. Now he's got the, He's got the power. Hmm. And so what he does is he starts to test his brothers. And, and, and you can read it yourself. He, he tests them in various ways to see what they're like. Have they changed any? If I take one of the brothers and I put him in jail, will they just let him there to rot and go back home? Or will they come back? Will they do what's necessary? Will they be honest with me? And he gives them the tests. And they, they pass the tests. And Joseph finally tells him, I am Joseph. I'm your brother. They'd already bowed down to him at least three times. They, 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 were, they were terrified. They, they had even talked among themselves, God's getting back at us because God knows what we did years ago and he's getting back at us. And, and, and Joseph says, it's okay. Joseph forgives them. He says, go get dad and my other brother. Come on, bring, bring them down. And they come down. And, and for about 17 more years, I believe it is, Jacob is there with his son, Joseph, in Egypt. That's, that's that la those are the last 13, 14 chapters of Genesis. All that happens in Joseph's life. And as I look at it, a question keeps coming up. Where is God in all of this? Because Joseph says there at the end, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. 
Some translations will say, you intended it for evil. God intended it for good. Where's God in all of it? What can we learn? What, what's the perspective you and I need on life to have a perspective like Joseph in chapter 50, verse 20, where we can say the same thing? Here's, here's my points. Number one, this story is not about Joseph. You're going, what I thought you just talked about. It's not about Joseph. It's the story of God. It's not the story of Joseph. It's the story of God. Joseph is, plays a part in it, but it's God's story, and God is, is sharing with us in the Scriptures what he's doing through this man by the name of Joseph. When you look at your life, when I look at my life, it's not the story of Roger. It's the story of God. That God is at work in my life. He, he wants me to cooperate with him as he is telling his story even through me. You're not going to find my name in the Bible. Probably not, your, unless your parents named you, you know, gave you a Bible name, then, you know, that's great. But we're not going to find our story in the Scripture. But, but, but those, those life stories, they're all about the, the story of God. That's the first one, the story of God. Don't forget, it's not about Joseph. It is about God. Because it says, God was with him. God was with Joseph. God was blessing Joseph. Second point, it's not a story about the integrity of Joseph, though he was a man of integrity. Again, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You know, Lord, just shorten that up. I am the God of Joseph. Oh, yeah, because Joseph is this man of integrity, but it is not a story about the integrity of Joseph. It's a story about the sovereignty of God. It is a story about the sovereignty of God, that we are not to be those who are so impressed with the integrity of Joseph that our, our, our conclusion is, I want to be like Joseph. The conclusion is, I need to trust God for his sovereignty, that he's sovereignly at work. The things that happened in Joseph's life weren't because he was such a man of integrity. It was because God was with him. James Montgomery Boyce writes in one of his books, God has absolute authority and rule over his creation. He's working out his plan, not mine. Sometimes that's a hard pill for us to swallow. God's working out his plan, not mine, not yours. Because sometimes you want it to be your plan that he's working out. The story's not about us. It's about him. And it's, a story about, it's not a story about the integrity of Joseph. It's a story about the sovereignty of God. And the thing about God's sovereignty is it's slow. Or when you read in the Bible and it says things about soon, God's soon is a lot slower than ours. It's, it's, it's a lot slower than ours. God intended it for good. How many times did Joseph wonder, you expect me to believe that? That others intended it for evil, others intended to harm me, but you intended it for good? That, that it does at least imply that God allowed it to happen because he's working out his plan. Step away from the life of Joseph and just step into your life. It's not about your integrity. Though integrity is great. We're, we're to be people of integrity without a doubt. But don't forget that God is working out his plan. It's the story about the sovereignty of God. But that's what this flyover, this last part of the book of Genesis is about. Third, it is not a story about Joseph surviving years of injustice. 
It's a story about the goodness of God in the face of injustice. The goodness of God in the face of injustices. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. You ever been betrayed? You ever been betrayed by someone close to you? A family member, a spouse, friend? Have you ever been betrayed by somebody? How would you like that? That's an, that's an injustice. Have you, ever been, have you ever been falsely accused? He's a man of integrity. It is clear that Joseph is a man of integrity. He's falsely accused. Does that bother you? Somebody could say about you, about me, you know, you're not very good at what you do. You're not very good at this. You're not very good at that. But when it comes to what they're attacking your character, they're attacking your integrity. Man, that's tough. Not only are you falsely accused, you're imprisoned. You're put in prison. You're set aside. Maybe you're not put in a prison, but you're set aside and you lose this or you lose that. You ever been forgotten? It is, you just you're for, you felt like God has forgotten you? You, you, ever, you ever felt that? And it's not a story about years of injustices suffered. It's a story about the goodness of God in the face of it. Because Joseph said, you intended to harm me. You intended it for evil. God intended it for good. His brothers intended to harm him. Potiphar's wife intended to harm him. Potiphar, I don't know if he intended to harm Joseph, but he wanted to save the reputation of his life or of his family, so he let injustice happen to Joseph. And then the butler forgot him. It's not a story about injustice that suffered. It's a story about the goodness of God in the face of injustice. So the injustices that you and I have gone through, we've either gone through injustices, betrayal all, make the your list, or it's coming. Right? That's life. And we aren't to focus on the injustices. We're to focus on, upon the God who is good to us in the face of injustice. Fourth, it's not a story about Joseph being forgotten. It's a story about the God who doesn't forget. Chapter 40, verse 23. The cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Two years. Two years. Two years of a young man's life feeling forgotten by God. This, this man forgot him, but God didn't forget. When you get into the book of Exodus, it says, now there was a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, who did not remember Joseph, who had forgotten about Joseph. It's 400 years later. I get it. But then it says a few verses later that God remembered his people. He heard them crying out to him. So in life, it's not about you and I being forgotten. It's about a God who does not forget. God does not forget. I think it's Hebrews chapter 9. There's a verse in there that says, God is not so unjust as to forget what you've done on his behalf. He does not forget. And I, I imagine, that, again, it for, in your life or in Joseph's life, it's, it's like, you, you want me to believe that, God? Do you want me to have that perspective of others intended it for evil, but you intended it for good? You want me to believe that about this? 
or whatever's coming to your mind right now, you want me to believe that about what I'm going through? And the answer is yes. Number five, it's not a story about seeking justice. It's a story about trusting God. It's not a story about seeking justice. We have people in our society, our world, that's what they want. They want justice. And they want justice according to what they believe justice is. They don't want justice according to the righteousness of God. They don't want justice according to what God's Word says. They just want justice, and they want it now, and their justice is what they want. Just think if they had the power to get that. Joseph now has the power to get justice. Yep. Hey, guys, how do you like my robe now? Yeah, you tore up that other one. How do you like my robe now? I mean, he's human, right? I mean, have you ever wanted to get back at a brother or sister when you were younger? Anybody besides me? Is it just me? You know. It wasn't about seeking justice with his brothers. They were afraid of that in Genesis chapter um, 50, they've been in Egypt now for 17 years, so with, it's, it's, been, it's been 40 years, but they're still thinking that Jacob is going to get back at us. And he hasn't done it because Dad's been here, and Dad, you know, likes Joseph the best, but when Dad's gone, Joseph might do what he, he can do. No one will question him. Um, they carried that a long time, and Joseph, it says that Joseph cried in Genesis 50. He cried when he knew that they didn't think he'd really forgiven them. I wonder if, if Joseph, with that nice robe on now that, you know, the Potiphar's wife took his other robe, I wonder if Joseph thought, I'm going to get some justice. You falsely accused me. I'm going to get some justice. He could have. He could have. Most of us don't have the power to do that, but Joseph had the power to do it. Maybe he could have said to Potiphar, you got some justice here too because you knew I was innocent and you sent me to prison anyway. Or to the butler, really? You forgot me? He, he had the power to seek justice, to, to, to take care of the injustice toward him, and he doesn't do that. Instead, he, he trusts God. You intended it for evil. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What a perspective. What a perspective. On, it's, it's like it's hard to believe that. The value of this story, number six, the value of this story is not from the perspective of Joseph. The value of the story is from the perspective of God. The value of this, this um, history of Joseph, Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50, it's, it's not determined from the perspective of Joseph. It's determined from the perspective of God. At the end here, when Genesis talks to his brothers at the end, he's 56 years old. 39 years of gaining perspective. Um, it's hard to see God at work in the middle of the battle. It's hard to see God at work when you're feeling betrayed or you have been betrayed, there's injustice, and, you, and you've, been, you've been forgotten, and, and all that's taking place. It's hard to see that. But the perspective here of Scripture calls for you and I to look back at our life and to, to look at the injustices of our life and to look forward and to understand there will be injustices that come, and maybe there's injustices that are just right around the corner. 
And I want you to believe Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. And you and I probably will never understand all of that, the plan that God's working out. One day we'll see it. When we're with him, we'll see it. And we'll be able to say at that point, look what God did. But here it's a struggle. And we need to grab on to Genesis 50, verse 20, memorize that and live that. Because God is working out his plan in each of our lives. My one thing, I always like to give you one thing to take away. Some, I have a friend uh, that he, I was his pastor for quite a few years. And in the bulletin, I'd have my things in the blanks. And he goes, I'm not going to fill in your blanks. It's like, okay, whatever. You don't have to fill in the blanks. If it helps you, great. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. But if you want to write this down or just, just, just here's the one thing. You ready? What is your it? You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. What is your it? What is it that God's bringing to your mind even right now? What is that thing? That, that thing that somebody did to you or something that happened that always comes up and you wonder, if, you wonder about how's that, how's that injustice going to be solved? How, how is it that, that, that I can be remembered or honored? What is it? Place it into Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Place it there. Joseph said there in, in, in Scripture, he said, God sent me ahead of you so he could save many lives. God sent me ahead of you so he could save many lives. God is working out his plan so he can save many lives. He can reach others for himself through you, through me, through Joseph. Do you believe that? Father, thanks for your word. Please, please, look, God, help us as we struggle with perspective. Help us to have yours. In Jesus' name, amen.